Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Let's Sleep On It, Reclaiming Parenthood, the podcast. And I'm your host, Taylor Kulik, a sleep and well-being specialist and occupational therapist. My mission with this podcast is to examine the parenting narratives that dominate our culture and grow together as parents. Here, we will talk about biological infant sleep, as well as many other parenting-related topics. And you'll also hear real empowering journeys from parents who are parenting against the grain. I hope that you walk away from each episode feeling inspired, empowered, and supported. Please remember that none of the information shared in this podcast is medical advice, and you should always speak with a trusted healthcare provider if you have any concerns. Let's dive into today's episode. I want to share with you guys our favorite toothpaste that the entire family uses. It's called Risewell, and Risewell is a fluoride-free toothpaste that has all non-toxic, safe ingredients, so it's even safe if swallowed, which makes it perfect for young children. I love Risewell because... Unlike some of the other natural and non-toxic toothpastes on the market, Risewell contains an ingredient called hydroxyapatite, which is a naturally occurring mineral that actually has been scientifically proven to strengthen and protect our teeth without the use of fluoride. You can save 10% now with the code KULIK10 when you go to risewell.com. And again, that code is KULIK, K-U-L-I-K-10. Hi guys, welcome. Today I am so excited to have another mom here with us to share her sleep journey with her kiddos. So Michelle, welcome. Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and your sleep journey? Okay, awesome. Um, Well, I have two boys. Uh, My first is Oliver. He just turned three. The second is Sebastian. He is almost 11 months. Oliver, my first, was my difficult uh, orchid child, (laughs) very highly sensitive, and his sleep journey was uh, very, very difficult. Um, He was never a good sleeper, even from the get-go. I think there was a lot going on in the beginning. He was born in Minnesota, and he, we had to move when he was eight weeks old to North Carolina. So we're dealing with the move and we were living with my parents for a month before we got into our house. There was just a lot going on. So he never really got onto a very good routine or any kind of schedule. So sleep was just all over the place. And I felt like he was waking up, I mean, easily four to six times a night from two months until 10 and a half months. And it was just consistent. And it felt like just one long sleep regression after another. And there were times, I think it was especially around the four month where I was just desperate and I thought something has to change. So I started reading up on all different sleep training techniques and things to Mm -hmm. do. Like I'm sure every first time mom does and everything just didn't sit right with me. The, the idea of just letting him just cry himself to sleep. And so I was, I wished I was looking for some kind of magic, magic pill or something that (laughs) could just help us get him into a longer sleep stretch in the beginning. Uh, I actually ended up working with a different type of sleep consultant who just gave us some options to help, help him, uh, encourage him to fall asleep on his own at night without leaving him by himself. So we had my husband, this was right around 
seven and a half months, I believe. And my husband would, uh, I would get done nursing him and then he, I would pass him off and then he would lay or have him lay down in the crib and he would just sit there and he'd pat his back. He would sing and he would do everything he could just to get him calm until he fell asleep on his own. And it, it kind of worked here and there. Um, we started getting somewhat of a longer stretches at the beginning of the night, but he was still waking up and it didn't change any of the wakes. Uh, eventually right around 10 and a half months, he started waking up maybe three times a night. And I thought, oh, this is great. Maybe things are getting better. And then mm -hmm. at 11 months, he started waking up just two times a night. And I thought, okay, well, maybe, maybe everything's working out. And then right around a year old, we both got really sick for a few days. And it was just one of those things where I was like, I can't be standing here trying to do this patting on the back whole routine thing. Cause it, it took forever for him to fall asleep that way. Mm -hmm. So I just said, I'm rocking him to sleep, whatever. It's fine. So I rocked him to sleep that night and he only woke up once. Mm -hmm. And for the next month or so, I just continued rocking him and he still would wake up maybe once here and there. And then when I finally weaned him, he slept through the night. And so for me, it just kind of felt like maybe the whole sleep training thing had, didn't play a part in any of it. And that when he was developmentally ready, he was going to be ready to sleep on his own. And he was honestly waking up at night because he was hungry. And so when I weaned him, that was when we started giving him um, a midnight or a, a snack before bed mm -hmm. and then we'd fill him up for dinner and that sort of thing and that's when he started sleeping through so for me I felt like he was honestly waking up because he was hungry for one and he just wasn't ready to sleep through the night and he was a great sleeper from there on out and didn't have any issues after that and so with my second I thought I'm going to do everything different. <laughs> I'm just going to be very responsive to him. And he was a fantastic sleeper from the get-go. And I would let him contact nap and he was great. And there were a few times he slept through the night. And then, you know, around the four and a half months was when he started waking up more. And then it kind of got better around six months. And then eight and a half months, it started getting worse again. And so we're dealing with teething and all that kind of stuff. So in the back of my mind, I know it's going to get better. And so I'm not stressing about it as much this time around and just know mm -hmm. that, you know, the first year you're going to have your ups and downs with sleep. And then eventually it kind of works itself out. Yeah. I love that. And I, I think that's something that I talk about a lot is, you know, mindset and perspective doesn't fix everything, right? If you're sleep de deprived, that's not going to make everything better, but it does help so much for so many parents. It really does help to just understand that this is not forever. This is normal. Much of this is normal. Um, it, sleep does come in, you know, it, it comes in kind of these phases of more disrupted sleep and more restful sleep and it's all normal and it's going to get better. And I think that was my experience too, the second time around, except for, I actually had my baby slept even worse, um, the second time around than my first child, because he had all of these, um, he had tongue ties, lip ties and well, tongue tie, lip tie, not two, um, of each, but it took a while after he got those released to rehab him and for him to start sleeping more restfully. And so I got, was getting even less sleep with my second mm -hmm. than I did with my first, but I felt more at peace. I felt more well-rested for the most part. I think because my perspective was so different because I knew this wasn't that he was just 
a bad baby or I was doing something wrong or he was doing something wrong. He just needed my support. And I knew that it would pass eventually as we got him the help that he needed. But, um, yeah, so I love, I love that that was your experience. And I'm, I, I'm curious your first child, your first son, when did you nightwean him? Cause I know that's when you said that things really just got better and he started sleeping amazing. It was about 15 months. Okay. I, it was very gradual. I didn't really jump into it uh, right off the bat. Um, it was probably around 13 months when I started dropping some of the feeds during the day. Uh, I, I just kind of was over it at that mm -hmm. point. And it was just something that I was like, I, I don't want to keep doing this. Um, but I wanted to, to take it really slow. I didn't want to push him into it. And so it, he was always one of those babies that he had a pacifier and that was what he enjoyed more than anything else. So he never nursed to sleep. He would nurse and then he was done. He'd want that pacifier and, and then I would end up rocking him to sleep for the rest. So I always knew it was gonna be a little bit easier weaning him. Um, and I would just offer him water instead. And then most of the time he just didn't really want anything at all. And he was perfectly content with just having the pacifier and me rocking him to sleep. That's great. And so you're one of those parents whose kiddos did end up sleeping through the night through night weaning. Cause I, we talk about this sometimes I took a poll on my stories a while back, um, that somebody requested yeah. that, <laughs> hello. Um, I took a poll on my stories asking parents who had night weaned their toddler, whether it reduced wakes or not. And it was really about a 50, 50 split. So night weaning doesn't work for all children to reduce how many times they're waking, but it does definitely work for some. So I think that's so important right. to know. Yeah. That was great. But is there anything else that you want to share with us? I think you told us how your second son is sleeping and he's 11 months, right? Uh, next week he will be. Okay. Okay. Is there anything else that you want to share with us about your sleep journeys or just like your perspective? So there's something interesting. Um, actually both my boys have tongue ties. Okay. They had, uh, I, and with my first with Oliver, I didn't realize it until it was a lot later. Um, mm -hmm. it, and for him, it, he was, he was functional. So the, the dentist that I spoke with had said, I wouldn't rush into it just yet. Um, wait to see if there's any other red flags. And we did a lot of body work with him just to help release the tension because he had a little bit of some birth trauma mm -hmm. and he solids were fine. All of that was fine. And even now, now without the pacifier or anything, you know, mouth closed, the right tongue posture and all of that. So it just, it, his was more, I guess, tightness, um, mm -hmm. the, and releasing some of that, that tightness helped with, the uh, with the functionality of it. And with my youngest, he had one as well. And his was actually the same thing. I pretty functional. And for me, I was very conservative about trying to do anything right off the bat. Um, we had him assessed by numerous different people and we've been doing some therapies, body work, that sort of thing. And it was the same situation where they said, you know, he he's, can easily work through that tension. And I do oral motor exercises with him every single day. And that, that seems to help a lot. And he's got a much better tongue posture now and can, you know, a lot of strength in his jaw. But in the back of my mind, I'm still thinking that, is this still kind of contributing to some of our sleep issues or mm -hmm. is this more of a, of just the development going on? So for me, right. it's kind of been a, a 
which not everyone will agree with, but I've been taking more of a wait and see approach because mm-hmm. we haven't seen any, we haven't had any really, really big red flags. And he was always like a really, really good sleeper in the beginning. So that never really seemed to bother him so much, but it's one of those things that I'm definitely aware of it. And I'm keeping, keeping an eye on his progress and development. And if it seems later on that we're still having issues, then I would definitely be open to having the release and doing that sort of thing. So in the back of my mind, you're always kind of wondering, is this, you know, causing some of the issues as well? Or is this, are we still looking at what's developmentally appropriate at this age? Right. And thank you for sharing that. I think that's really helpful. It's a good point because there are medical issues and underlying things like this that can disrupt sleep, but it's really almost impossible, I would say, to fully know whether whether that is disrupting sleep until you address it. And so, you know, if you do have a baby that's waking every 30 minutes, okay, that is clearly not developmentally normal. Um, Aside from, you know, in the cases of teething or illness, you know, there, it is normal to have phases of maybe a few days um, where baby is waking that frequently. But if that's happening long-term, that's a clear sign that something is impacting their sleep. But um, you know, if it's in your case that your baby is waking several times a night, that definitely could just be developmentally normal. And so it is hard to know. So I totally understand, you know, why you would make that decision to kind of wait. And I think that's a tough decision for all parents. Um, And I think that's why it's so important to just find a skilled provider who is skilled in tongue ties, Um, not just any pediatric dentist or pediatrician or lactation consultant, um, but somebody who is really skilled and, you know, collaborate with them Mm -hmm. and figure out what works best for your family. But I really, the thing I love about your story too, is that, you know, you did try some, you know, quote unquote strategies that weren't sleep training, but felt okay to you. But then you realized, okay, he just slept through the night when he was ready. And really maybe those strategies didn't help him at all. And it's okay to do those things. You know, it's okay to try things and to shift patterns that aren't working for you. But at the end of the day, we don't have to teach our children to sleep. We don't have to teach them to sleep through the night. We don't have to teach them to connect their sleep cycles or fall asleep independently. It will happen with time. And they learn by, by first depending on us to do those things for them and to help those with the, help them with those things. A part of me kind of, and I don't know if this actually plays a big part in it or not, but with my second, I was very, very responsive. You know, I baby wore him for almost every nap for those first six months, literally. Mm -hmm. And right around four and a half months when he was waking a lot, uh, halfway through the night, we would end up bed sharing for the rest of the night. You know, we was able to get more sleep that way. And I just thought I'm just going to do what's best for us and what he needs right now. And I found that he is much more independent as a baby than my Mm. first. My first needs me to be interacting with him at all times. I don't know if it's personality you know, it could be temperament, it could be personality, mm-hmm. but a small part of me wonders, is it because I was just so, or less stressed and was just more responsive to my second that he doesn't feel, or he's so, he knows that there's a lot of depend, he can depend on me. So he's free to be independent. So right. he can play on his own and go off and do his own thing, but then come back and I'm here for him. And so I find that very interesting. And I don't know if that, if that does play a part in it as well. I think that's really interesting too. And that's something that I think about a lot because 
I have the same experience with my first, who is three and a half. She, I was very stressed for the first six months to year of her life, very stressed about trying to get her to sleep independently um, and kind of forcing that. And mm-hmm. she now, she still needs some support to get to sleep. We're fine with it. We snuggle with her in bed. We lay with her in bed until she falls asleep. Um, but, and she's even during the day, she's really always seeking attention and connection. And I think some of that is temperament, but I do wonder in the back of my mind, is some of this because I didn't allow her to fully depend when she was a baby, a little baby. And so I'm so curious to see how my first uh, or my second son, who's 10 months old, how things progress with him, because I've been totally laid back and like not concerned about how I'm supporting him to sleep. And I just do what works. And I, I am really not anxious about it at all. So I am so curious to see if they'll be different. And again, some of that might just be personality and temperament, but I do wonder, and I'm, I'm, I feel like I need to look into this a little bit. Like, yeah, I don't know ask people questions, like do a survey and like find out if there is any, you know, a casual informal survey, but find out if there is any correlation. I'm so curious about it. Yeah. I find that very fascinating. Very interesting. I was a, I'm a psych, I was a psych major in college. So for me, just understanding all that development, child mm-hmm. development everything is so fascinating. And so I always wonder if that, how that plays a part in, in how your, your kid, whether it's nurture nature, that sort of right. thing. Yeah. And you know, what we do know, the information that we do have about attachment tells us this, you know, Dr. Gordon Neufeld is a developmental developmental psychologist that I, a lot of the work that I do is based on his work and his theories. And he says, you know, in, you have to first invite and allow dependence, which facilitates or fosters independence. That's how we help our children to be independent is by first allowing them to totally depend on us. And so it makes sense that that would maybe play a role, um, in the, in what we're talking about in, in our children's ability to go to sleep independently or their need for connection. But who knows? I think that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story with us. It was great. Thank Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. You're so welcome. And you know, these are the stories that I think more parents need to, and want to hear that we just want, we want to be encouraged in the choices that we're making, we want to be validated and we want to know that, okay, if I have a six month old right now and I choose not to sleep train, everybody out there is telling me I need to sleep train. I need to teach them to sleep or we'll never sleep again. He'll never sleep again. I'll never sleep again. And that's just not true. And so I think sharing these stories from a real parents who chose not to sleep train and now they're getting sleep and their children are sleeping. I think that's so important just to encourage us and validate us in our decisions that we're making that are very countercultural. Yep, exactly. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please subscribe and leave a review if you feel called to. It really helps our message reach more parents. You can also follow me on Instagram at Taylor Kulik for similar content or visit my website at www.taylorkulik.com. I offer online courses where we really dive into infant and toddler sleep holistically. And we also offer one-to-one holistic sleep support services if you're looking to improve your child's sleep or shift patterns without sleep training. If you know a parent who would benefit from this podcast, please share. And if you'd like to financially support this podcast to allow me to create more episodes more often, you can visit anchor.fm slash Taylor I hope you'll join me next time.